Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I just uh, I just did a strength workout, so oh. I'm physically exhausted, but hopefully hopefully my mind is still sharp for this uh, this here podcast. I-, I was talking to somebody about morning workouts, and she was saying that she'd actually just given them up eventually because she liked how they made her feel initially, but then she was always crashing later in the day, and that was my experience too. Yeah. So right now I'm on a twice a week cadence with strength training and one day it's in the morning and the other day it's like 4.30 in the afternoon. And it is interesting to observe kind of the differences between the two. The thing is like the more, the more aggressive I get with like pushing it really hard, the bigger the risk that I actually like push myself too hard and I'm sort of wasted for like my prime work time in the morning. So that's always a risk. But then also I feel like I'm not always able to push it as hard in the afternoon when I'm like mentally gassed. You know, because so much of exercise is just a, you know, mental game, not necessarily a physical game. So I don't know. I went for a walk this morning, which was kind of like a a nice thing, like get in the sun, move my body a little bit. And like there's like this uh, a little fitness area along the path that I walk on. So like I did some stretching and that felt good, like not spending any actual real energy, but it was kind of a nice start to the day versus just like immediately <laughs> moving standing into a, a sitting or standing in a, a static position for several hours my little walk to the coffee shop that i often take it's about you know eight minutes and that's often a really great way to kick off a work session for me totally um, that was actually my original plan there's a coffee shop near me and i was going to go I, I went to put an online order in to go walk to them and they weren't open they didn't open until 8 15 and i was like what, what? A co- <laughs> yeah i was like i'm awake earlier than the coffee shop that's not that's, right. not, <laughs> that's not allowed you're supposed That's to start funny. real early. They're, they're they're a real lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for a while. Eh, I don't want. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but man. they're they're not always optimizing for the customer over there. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, we ship some stuff. Yeah, I saw the um, exciting um, product updates email, and I feel like that's more user facing stuff packed into one like update than I've seen in a while. Yes, that's true. I feel like our shipping pace is picking up, which is awesome. I mean, we added new people, so it sort of makes sense, but it's not a guarantee, but it's happening. And yeah, so we shipped a health check feature, which uh, lets you see the connection health in Tuple really clearly right, right in the call. Goal of that is to sort of make it clear whose fault it is when things are broken. We have support requests come in sometimes and like, oh, it was like really, you know, laggy or something happened. And then we'll look at the performance reports and it's like, yeah, you have a terrible connection and, and did the whole time and you had a ton of packet loss. Some of it's like a little bit just like helping assign the blame. Like if, if we're screwing up, we want to fix that, certainly. If it's a connection thing, we want you to know that it's a connection thing and also offer some advice on how to like remediate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suspect that that type of problem, you can correct me if I'm wrong, seems like 99% of the time it is someone's internet connection that's like causing a poor experience. But people probably like often assign blame to tuple itself being the source of the cause. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's true. Although we have a fairly technical audience. So people will often kind of realize like what's going on. And they'll sometimes like rate a call low and be like, uh, you know, it was crappy, but it's probably my potato internet. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we get more leeway than most. And I'm interested in fixing the, the times. It's our fault. I saw a call rating come in yesterday that said, um, much blurrier than yesterday. <laughs> and it's just like nothing changed between yesterday and today. <laughs> um, so <laughs> like, 
Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We have this weird effect going on, which is if you rate a call and you offer some feedback, like you actually type a thing out, it becomes a support ticket. And people mostly type things out. They, they mostly type things out when things are bad and occasionally when things are really good. So sometimes it'll be like a five. It'll be like, you guys are amazing. Oh my God. But probably 70% of the time, it's like a one or a two. And they'll be like, oh, this bad thing happened. And so it creates this impression for me because I, I get all these emails where it's like, oh, there's like it's a kind of a constant stream of bad experiences with Tuple. And that's true. Like there are There is a constant stream of people having a bad time. But then the other day, I was looking at our, like, our call quality ratings and like, they have actually never been higher. The median rating is like a 4.69 or something right now out of 5. Or sorry, the mean, the average is that. And the median is a 5. It's like we get more 5s than anything else. It's, just like the, it's dominated by 5. So it's mostly like everything's working great. But if you log into the support queue, it's like problem, 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 problem. Good, good thing, problem, good thing. It's like... So, yeah... Yeah, that does present a, I mean, that's sort of the problem I've experienced fill in support all the time where it's like support skews negative and that can give you the perception, like it can skew your own perception about how things are going with the business in general, you know? Yeah. So I'm sort of hoping that this feature will help people self-diagnose and maybe reduce some of those things um, or at least make it clear what's going on. Because we're never going to get to zero of those things. Mm-hmm. There's part of me that wonders, like, if from like a product management perspective, like this sort of feature was like there to like help reduce a false sense that we're getting a lot of bad call feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as we sh- as we as we're working on it, I'm like, is this really is is there a problem given the current like at, like call quality stats? Like, are lots of people having connection problems or like having bad calls in general? And because there are enough calls there's lots of bad calls but, or some bad calls, but yeah, I, I think it's also a just, you know, a helpful feature for a practical feature for users too, because I was doing a call with Taylor the other day and he was in, uh, he was on vacation. So he was on like hotel Wi-Fi, and I was in a coffee shop where probably a lot of people were, you know, doing zoom calls or something. So it's like, it could have been either of all our faults, but stuff was just, there was a lot of lag going on. So we had like you know, five second delays or something on our audio. I didn't like go into the diagnostics because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get an answer quickly on like whose fault it was. So this feels like it would have been handy because I think we were both like considering like switching to tethering or trying to like choose other, you know, types of internet at our disposal, but wasn't really sure who should be making the change, you know? So I think this is, I think this is good. Cool. I'm curious to see if it reduces the support requests slash helps people like help diagnose what's going on yeah yeah sometimes if you do have a bad connection there's not a lot you can do generally like if you if you're on wi-fi if you're on a crowded wi-fi that can definitely cause packet loss that's probably that's a really common problem so like the answer is like go wired but if you if you're a like an internet professional and you're not already wired maybe you can't or it's like too annoying or you're not willing to yeah so it's kind of like well can you move closer to the wi-fi can you change the channel things like that Um, or can you hop off the vpn yeah, no, that's good. I like it. I think it's okay. Um, cool. If yeah, I think it's very, it. very. <laughs> I, I approve. You're allowed to ship that. Okay, good. We don't have to unship it. By the way, I wanted to do a bit this call, which is I pulled up a metric showing how many calls are happening on Tuple or like have happened on Tuple. So when we started the call, so you and I are talking at like ten thirty in the morning. 
when we started, we had there had already been four hundred, sorry, five hundred and thirty tuple calls, which is crazy. <laughs> That's our starting point. So when we, when we wrap up, remind me to check the number. I'm just curious to see how many will go pass by while we're chatting. Nice, I love it. Yeah. So the other thing we shipped is this thing we call knock knock, which is the ability to join a call in progress. So we've been wanting to do this for a while. We're getting increasing. It seemed like the the number of requests for this picked up quite a bit. So I love shipping stuff like that. But it was funny because uh, our engineering team went from basically like like our native engineers went from two to three recently. So suddenly we were having this problem. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, like all right, fine, we're willing to ship this now because this is we can we now viscerally feel this problem. And that's not really how it went down, but it, it kind of had that that flavor. I mean, yeah, feeling feeling the pain yourself has a way of reorienting how you think about a problem for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is maybe not the best product management approach because we have, we have a number of customers that are enormous. And so we will miss out on their problems, which is not good. But it's like, it's funny. It's like if we, when we hire a fourth native engineer, will we add mobbing? Is that mm-hmm. that's going to happen? <laughs> that might be the, uh, yeah, the thing that nudges you over the edge. <laughs> but that's, that's nice to get out. Um, got some nice feedback from people. And like, it's, it's really awesome. Like we we're doing that thing where we tag the people that ask us for a certain thing and then follow up with them and say, Hey, we have the thing now. And that's pretty cool. That, that to me is the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also added the ability to ask people to share stuff because we kept having this interaction where someone would like forget to share their screen or forget to share their webcam or something and you wouldn't want to interrupt them while they were talking. And so we added the ability to just be like, hey, like, like right click on someone and be like, hey, can you, can you share your screen with me? And it just as a, a nice sort of like classy way to get that done or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a little things. So does it pop something up there on their screen and they can just accept it and then suddenly they're sharing their screen? Yeah, nice. exactly. Love it. Yeah. Yep. So you don't have to break the, break the flow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I, I like. That's cool. So what, what was the thing that really enabled this kind of picking up and pace? Is it that you added another back engineer or a designer or just a combination of all that? Like, what do you think is, is allowing you to ship faster? I think it was definitely adding some people. Um, like the health check feature needed designs and needed UI changes. So having a designer to do that, super, uh, super helpful. Adding another backend engineer meant that we could free up Mikey to work on the knock-knock feature full-time. Mostly came down to people, but also I think we did a pretty good job of defining the scope of these things, like shaping them and setting deadlines and being like, we're going to work on... like, uh, And I was like, we're going to ship what we have on health check on March 31st. And it was like, that's, that's, that's the thing. So be done by then. And so we used that constraint to trim the scope down as we needed to. And part of that was like, okay, I don't know if health check is, is the thing. It's an experiment. So we're not going to make a super huge bet on this. So like, don't spend longer than this much time. Um, and the folks working on it hit the deadline, which is awesome. Uh, we also had, um, speaking of people, we had Aaron Francis start this week. Okay. Yeah. yeah which is super marketing. cool. First marketing hire. First marketing hire. Yeah feels like a new era marketing is sort of like an area of the business that you don't technically need kind of it's sort of like well we need to we need to write code to on the product like we kind of need to answer support requests we got to pay people like there's, there's a number of like sort of like kind of core things but like marketing like we i have done some marketing for sure but you don't need it's like the, it feels like the most like investy kind of thing. It's like the most growth oriented kind of hire. 
So it feels kind of like we're we're turning over a new leaf of like reinvesting funds in the business to make the business grow more. Yeah. 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 I mean, you have been doing marketing, obviously, or else, you know, no one would be using your product. So like it's been happening in some form, but it's more uh, it's been more organic, I guess. And now this is a step towards towards kind of engineering that side of the business more. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. Yeah. How are you thinking about enabling him to take on projects? Like, does he have a budget? Are you enabling him to like go out and spend a certain amount of money on projects and hire people or freelancers if he needs to to get them done? And it's funny you should ask. I don't think I'm going to quite talk about that yet, but we have I have a plan. We we have a sassy plan for for this. I'm not quite sure how it's going to turn out or what that's going to look like, but. Um, I think we're, we will be talking about it probably quite a lot if we do the, the thing I think we're going to do. There is budget. Budget will be made. Mm-hmm. Budget will be had and spent. <laughs> Love the passive voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Budgets will be made. Yes. Money will be spent. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm interested in throwing money at this beyond just, hey, we hired a person uh, and seeing what happens and treating it as an interesting experiment, which, which is very much a thing we have not done so far. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... That's good to hear because I because that's something that Corey has, you know, helped me think through as we've looked at, you know, different various marketing projects for for Savvy Cal. Like, you know, he sort of says, like, you can a lot of things you can potentially move faster on if you're willing to spend more money. So like budget is a really important thing for a marketer to have at their disposal. And if they don't have much of it, then, you know, you can generally expect things to take longer. You know, if you're just going scrappier mode, I think there's a time. It's just, you know, it's worth thinking through for, for any given project. Like how, how quickly do we want to see results? And if we pour more money in, can we get more results faster? And is that better for the business? Is that worth the risk? Yeah. He wrote a great post about this, Mm -hmm. how to like, how to budget for, for marketing as a startup. And it was interesting. He was like, he said like the simple, the simple thing is like pick a, pick the number, like as a percentage of revenue. And the range he threw out was like, pick something between 5 and 40% of revenue, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is a big range. Yep. Uh, and it was, it was interesting to me because until we hired Aaron, we had spent 0% of revenue. And 40% of revenue is a large number. Um, so there's, there's a lot more we could spend on marketing and still be a pretty normal company. I'm interested in, in, in starting to pick, a num- pick something between those numbers and try that. Yep. Yeah. So what does his first week look like? You know, what's he, how's he approaching getting, getting the ball rolling on this stuff? So we met early on, on his first day, Monday, was it Monday, I think. Yeah. And, um, I sort of said, here's this crazy idea I have. And we talked it over and he liked it. And so we, we fleshed it out and he's writing up a kind of doc to circulate around and say like, here's the thing we want to do is the sort of main first marketing push. Um, but it's a pretty big project. Um, it's a it's a large investment and it will take some time. And so as we're spinning that up, um, he is looking for smaller stuff. So he did like a little like quick, you know, SEO once over, like set up the Google search console, which has never been done, mm-hmm. like <laughs> checked out a- Ahrefs, uh, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, just some sort of some basic low marketing, hanging fruit, <laughs> low hanging fruit, marketing, tidying, you know, <laughs> super basics that anyone competent would have done if... Uh, sort of thing uh, that I would have done if I were more whatever that kind of person. Uh, so yeah, so he's sort of a mix of things. He also wrote us a great email yesterday. So he's been taking notes 
which is a thing that I sort of encouraged him to do and uh, of like what was not ideal as he's like getting up to speed. Like he has, he has those fresh eyes. So he sent like a whole pile of them over being like, you know, okay, nothing is deeply broken, but here are some small things I noticed. And it was just like such a great list. Like it's like, it's like, oh yeah, I totally, I totally get it. These are all, all we're, all we're fixing. Let's, let's do that. I love that stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's good. He's kind of, uh, um, what you want is like a kind of owner level thinker, right? I think that's Rob's uh, way of characterizing this type of person where they're like, you know, you don't want to have to tell him what to do or tell him what to look at. Like you tell me what I should be looking at or what we should be improving. Um, mm. hmm. Yeah. Ideally that's, that's kind of awesome for sure. But yeah, we're, we're in person next week, which is cool. Aaron's coming out. Um, actually all, all three of the people we just hired are coming out. Fingers crossed. There's one maybe in there, but hopefully everybody will be in the office. It'd be awesome. What's going on with you? I would say I'm feeling pretty good about the progress we're making. We're, we're working on some bigger projects on the product front right now, which have taken a little, a little longer than I initially, you know, thought they would in my mind, but not like so long that it feels like we're really, you know, going off track or, or letting scope creep or anything like that. So it's just, you know, building software takes time. <laughs> so it does feel like kind of the, you know, the bow is being cocked back right now and we're going to drop some pretty, pretty meaningful features in the next couple of weeks that will hopefully, hopefully move the needle on the business. So I've been investing most of my time uh, lately working on our meeting polls feature. So it's going to, it's going to allow people to basically send a poll similar to a, a doodle poll to ask multiple people. Here's a set of times, vote on the ones that work for you and then schedule a meeting. And it's like a top requested feature at the moment, I would say, and opens us up to that kind of, you know, tackling more of the group scheduling use cases, which is where things really get start to get interesting, you know. So I'm excited to excited to ship that and it'll be it'll be a free feature too. So I think I've probably talked about this a little bit, but you know, it's going to be dipping our toe into the freemium waters a little bit. And, um, I'm really interested to see, uh, just see how that plays out. Um, because you know, it'll be similar viral loop as our, um, as our normal scheduling links have, you know, Savvy Cal branding on that anytime someone uses it and it'll be available for free. So in tandem with that, like I want to try to get, get kind of even better, metrics to the best of my ability hooked up around like measuring the impact of virality you know it's like and there's no perfect formula for this i've talked to talked to others with with similarly like um similar products with with a viral component to them and like there's no easy answer to get getting a really really good number that you can be really confident in but at least at least get a little better at estimating that i think would be helpful to know as i'm gauging like the the value of of freemium, you know, totally. Yeah. So, are, are you going to try to calculate some sort of ROI on that or something? Well, there's, I mean, there is like the the metric of like the viral coefficient, which is like you know tracks basically every time it gets used, how many how many users does that ultimately bring in on average? So it's just like a kind of a gauge of like how many people are entering the funnel as a result of being exposed to the product from the product being used. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately some kind of ROI calculation at the end of that trail, I think is what I'm going after. Yeah, I'm feeling, yeah, I don't know what I'm feeling. <laughs> I have no, I, I, 
I feel a doubt on freemium in this moment, but I, I think it's. I think I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just kind of in a, a bit of a malaise lately. Yeah, down on so. freemium for Savvy Cal or just in general? No. For like, I, okay. Yeah. I think I'm just I'm just in a mood actually. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been feeling amazing lately. Yeah. Yeah. The business is really good, but mm-hmm. like personally, I just feel like kind of like low energy. Hmm. I'm just kind of like mildly uh, slumpy at the moment. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, kind of a lot of alone time. Yeah. Like I've been mm-hmm. doing more like like Joel and I are now pairing with people remotely more. And so like going into the office sort of makes less sense because like I'm on a call or he, he's on a call or like I'm going to go into a different room or like I'm just sitting there while he's talking to somebody else. And so it's like less interactive. Um, so I'm doing like more like time from home, which is just like not a great recipe for me for like happiness. Um. So I think it's kind of, I think it's sort of a little bit low on interaction with people. Do you feel like you're, um, are you anywhere, anywhere close to burnout, you think, or? No, not, I don't, not quite that. It does, I don't feel overworked. Um, I feel more like the amount of interaction I have with people is not where I want it to be. And like, it's like my, my personal life or like my interpersonal life is kind of not ideal at the moment. Yeah. 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 So you're it's not, social. You're a social creature. I am a social creature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like living. Spencer was saying like I'm like living. A, I'm a dog, but I'm living a cat lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good analogy. Yeah, and it's weird because I sort of did it to myself. Like some of it was kind of like circumstantial and like was kicked off a lot by COVID and like people pulling back. But I feel like I'm struggling to get back into. Um, a setup where I'm seeing lots of people, where I'm having lots of in-person interactions, where I'm doing stuff in the evenings with people. Uh, so it's like it's yeah, it's, it's sort of sort of sucks. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. It's Thanks. Something to something to work on. Yeah, I'm talking to my therapist about it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's so good. I'm good. I'm good to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's always funny, like coming off of microconf, where you know it's like. Um, it's like I both love it and then also feel like this intense sense of like almost overwhelm, I think, because one, it's like it, for me being an introvert, it's always kind of an exhausting um, thing. Like I want to spend all this time with with people that I haven't seen in a long time. And it was really, really great to see so many Internet friends, you know, face to face, but also like sucked a lot of energy out of me. And then I think feeling that and also like, you know, this fire hose of like kind of just business ideas and you know talking to other founders and getting inspired by things and but then like sometimes the inspiration for me like crests over into like oh my gosh I got so much to do like I almost feel too overwhelmed and don't know where to start and like I want to do all this stuff right now but I know I can't and so then that's that almost you know has a negative impact on my mood and then I don't know it takes me a little while to recover from that so I did have I felt like I had the microconf hangover for for at least a couple of days um I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that coming off of um a conference but yeah generally conferences energize me being around people like that I I did feel like this year's microconf did not sort of for the first time every time I've been there since I've I feel like I had sort of more good like really good conversations with people and had felt more inspired I think by the speakers slash attendees this time it kind of felt more like we were on the advanced end of the scale 
and it was less of me looking up to people and more kind of people looking up to us which is like pleasant like it was cool it's like oh wow interesting like that's a that's a thing like we have we've sort of changed and grown and like the last microconf i went to was three i think years ago and tuple has like really changed since then it was a nice thing to be like reminded of and it's it's flattering but i didn't come out of it being like oh i can't wait to go try this and that and it's all this thing and people would be like oh like what's your what's your big thing you're trying to like figure out here like what's your big big takeaway or your big whatever and i was like i don't really have a thing like i'm pretty happy with how the business is going i didn't come to try to solve like with a particular problem in mind um and i didn't i didn't really find any examples of people like businesses or people where i was like oh man they've got to figure it out i gotta try these things that they're doing or like that was such, such such a cool tactic from that person that i want that i really want to implement right now i think that's just the nature of it right like if, if you're talking and this was like earlier days of microconf i feel like in general the community was at an earlier stage with you know getting getting really like successful with SaaS. so you know we had those like early microconfs where jason cohen was coming and dropping just like you know some of the best talks that i've ever seen delivered on SaaS. you know like that famous one those were just like fun exciting times because it felt like everyone was kind of like saw the potential in this thing and we were all trying to level up our skills and get to this place and of course there's always people in that place right but i feel like a lot of us who are who have kind of grown together in this community are are just in a different spot where like yeah there's not there's not as many like mind-blowing insights that you can like that you are furiously scribbling down and then going to implement in your in your scrappy little early stage business you know it's like yeah and there's diminishing returns mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. jason cohen talk he sort of says is like a, a goal for the you know like you, build, you, you want to build this cash machine you know something that will throw off like 10 or twenty thousand dollars a month per founder we're well past that those first ten thousand dollars per founder per month is like crazy huge right like going from not that to that is a game changer 100%. Going well beyond that means that like every every new step is like not as it's not a game changer. It never it never is as much a game changer as that. And so uh it's I remember like watching that talk or seeing talks back then and thinking about like like dreaming about 10k per founder per month and being like, "Oh my god, that's just going to be incredible." And it was. It totally was actually. So like it's totally worth pursuing that goal and like that he was right to like call that out as a good milestone. But it felt to me this year, like most people that I talked with at growth were kind of chasing that. They were around that level a little bit before, maybe a little bit after, but still in that range of like that sort of thing. My feeling afterwards was a little bit like, maybe we're not so micro anymore. I think also if there had been more attendees, or maybe it seemed like in past years, there were more advanced attendees, like people that were like further along and they were there to kind of like, be the be the elders and share the wisdom um and this year it seemed like that was less true maybe i just didn't bump into them maybe i just don't know them i could have been talking to some people that were like you know five times our size and not known it it was the first time i walked away with being like i don't know like should i go check out business of software or saster or something like somewhere where there's like a you have people that are you know where we're, we're, we're the tiny fish mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think it's those are both helpful environments to to be in you know i mean it is it is more of you're in more of a sacrificial you know place when you're the one furthest ahead which is a good you know it's good to participate in that and give back to the community i guess in that way but yeah like but it's important to have the other the other side too where you're being stretched where it's like oh i you know 
if you're if you're ambitious and care about wanting to like level up and keep growing then yeah i think it's important to be swimming in those waters too um, yeah with the bigger fish think, yeah both is good it's it's nice to it's nice to sort of recognize where you are and to be able to pay it forward like help help people as you have been helped i'm a super strong believer in that i love that i think i was kind of hoping to come away more inspired partly because I am, I am feeling that kind of like slightly feeling kind of slightly drained right now. Um, and I didn't feel like that, like, like that high afterwards that I, I have in past years. There's something I feel weird about with advice now around business that didn't used to happen. Like I, I feel like I was more confident in my ability to dispense advice when I knew less. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that Dunning-Kruger thing is maybe showing up. Where it's like, as I get further into this game, the more I like get less confident that like I'm able to like offer people like really good ideas or advice. And so even though I'm further and further along and there's a bit of proof in the pudding, I'm sort of gaining more perspective on the complexities and like the the differences between businesses and situations and uh, what worked for us versus what would work for you. And I feel, um, yeah, I feel weird about offering advice. And I see these, I see like these Twitter threads or blog posts, how to choose your market, how to pick this thing, how to validate this idea, how to get a thousand customers. And, and I'm just like, you seem so confident. Are you sure <laughs> that this is like universally a useful advice? Because I don't think it is. And I just like, I find myself recoiling from that, that like bravado or that, or just that certainty, I guess. And I feel more and more like, I don't know, like these, we had some things that worked for us, but like when I look around, like it seems like we, our, our situation was unique, but like maybe your situation is unique too. Like why wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I feel the same way. I've, yeah. I, whatever that phenomenon is where you, um, yeah, the more you learn, the less you feel like you have generally applicable advice. I mean, because I think it's just true. And I think there's a lot of like youthful, like bravado in like feeling like you have some things figured out and then, and then you go and, you know, spread the word about, you know, everything that you feel like, you know, to be true objectively. And in reality, that's not, that's not the case, you know, like most, most advice doesn't necessarily generalize, but I think it's, that's healthy to recognize that. I feel like that's one of the things that I have enjoyed generally about, um, kind of the way microconf happens. Like, I feel like there's not a lot of talks coming from the main stage that are prescriptive and fall into that category. Like I feel like a lot of things are sort of like, here's how to think about problems or here's how to think about positioning or here's some like, here's some tactics that have proven to work well for me, like Rob's talk this year, you know? And I feel like a lot of those are, you know, like delivering wisdom without being prescriptive about like, here is the one way. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of advice dispensing talks do trend towards that. So it's, and I get very, yeah, I get very skeptical anytime there's like a lot of absolutes being thrown around. So there's times where I like feel com- like, I'm like, I should write a blog post or like, I should post some ideas on Twitter or something. And I feel like I want to just like throw all these caveats on them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like, hey, heads up. I'm not, I'm actually not sure any of this is good. Mm-hmm. But like, here's, mm-hmm. here's some stuff we did that, that maybe worked. Yeah. That's the that's the frustrating part about being on advice Twitter, you know, because it's not it's not a format that's conducive to caveats. So then things come out as absolutes and then then the rest of the thread is just debating around the exceptions to the rule. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's tiring. It's tiring to like always like explain your caveats too. Like it, it, it makes the writing less good to be like in some instances. Like there's just you have to throw in a lot of 
kind of not quite Weasley words, but disclaimer sort of, and it, it makes it less punchy for sure. Um, so sometimes I like see see myself doing it. I'm like, I don't want. Let's, I'm just going to delete this phrase because it's like slowing things down. I just get a little tired of all of that, and it's kind of like I don't know. Just you know, <laughs> just go figure, just go do stuff and figure it out. Like I don't know. Like I don't know how to give give advice on a lot of things, and I I have the same thing where I'm like, maybe I should write a blog post, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is not great advice. Um, There's a line in a Joel Spolsky essay somewhere, and he said something like, "When you read your old writing, you will be horrified at like how certain you were." of things back then and i've had that experience of reading my old writing and having that thought and i feel like i'm now like seeing it ahead of time now where it's like okay i I can i can anticipate that if i say this thing like later i will kind of cringe at how certain i thought i was at the time yeah i don't know that's where i feel like better than advice is just like storytelling I mean, that's always been our goal here. It's like, I'm just going to talk about stuff and maybe it's useful. Maybe it's not. It's another case study for you to look at. And I don't know, might be helpful, might not. Agreed. Yeah. W- one, one last criticism of advice <laughs> <laughs> is I've noticed this thing where as you dig into it or as you know more about the story, you see that a lot of advice unravels or is not as good as it appeared. Um, like people being like, oh, we like an example is. I'll give you an example from my own life, which is when I was running FormKeep for ThoughtBot, I at one point like raised prices like pretty aggressively on everything, on all the customers. And for like, at first it was like amazing. We basically doubled MRR overnight because we more or less doubled the pricing. And I remember coming on the podcast and be like, oh yeah, raise prices. It's great. And like, you know, here's this, this, this proof. Look, see, it's the easiest thing you can do. Um, and then over the next few months, a ton of people canceled. Because they're like, this is too expensive now. And it just like started hemorrhaging. And it was like basically like a, a, there was a, you know, a straight line up and then like a, a fairly steep line down to like probably about neutral, like more or less where we started. Um, but I, I, I also remember back then talking about, you know, how good raising prices is. And like, I feel like for a while, I also like even put in my head like, yeah, just raise prices. It's easy. It's great. It always works. Um, but then like, it, yeah, the, the reality is like, it's, that's not the whole story. Right. Yep. Hmm. Well, I guess the moral is, yeah, be, be careful dispensing advice. <laughs> There's some advice that you can take. Yeah. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> I'll be careful. Uh, anything else going on in your world? Uh, I think that's about it, about it for me this week. Okay. We could wrap it. Sure. Let's wrap it. We're at 680 calls now. So 150 calls while you and I were talking. Wow. That's crazy. It's kind of cool. Doing, doing great volume over there. The volume is, is, is nuts. It's getting nuts. We had our first 100,000 call a month um, recently. Yeah, we did 100,000 calls in March, I think it was. It's kind of cool. The fact that there's already been 680 tuple sessions and it's 11 a.m. is like, <laughs> what is happening? And I think and it picks up too, like because like West Coast is just coming online now. Right. Yep. So it's kind of crazy. By the way, you should do a you should do like a one of those fancy year end reports or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that like Mailchimp does. Totally. Yeah. Give yeah. that to Aaron. <laughs> yes, Aaron and Hugo, go make yeah. a beautiful thing. Six hundred eighty-four. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I I think a tuple.app/live would be a really cool thing. Oh yeah. Well, tell me what you think about this. So I have this vision of like, you know that Shopify does this like during Black Friday, like mm-hmm. that crazy like globe thing, and like you can yep. see the orders and where they're going and all that. Yep. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I think like it would be interesting to see like calls flying by and ratings coming in and latency numbers and stuff. I think that could be really interesting. I'm a little bit worried that we have like metadata about calls. Like I can see like user A called user B and they talked for 20 minutes and like we can, we can see where like user A is and where user B is. I'm kind of worried that like because of our audience like developers, like they're going to find even this like aggregated anonymized view into our call information to be like a privacy hmm. concern. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, man. Too much of a stretch? Should, should worry about it? Shouldn't worry about it? My gut take is that it's sufficiently anonymized. So like, I think just doing like a, you know, a, a sampling of across the globe calls between these two points, I would probably be comfortable doing it. But I could certainly see there being some objections. To me, it's silly, but I think hot take. I think the privacy... Uh, movement broadly or like I don't know I think people are overly concerned with privacy <laughs> um, yeah. I think there's more noise around this than there needs to be not that like I'm like interested in violating people's privacy but I just right. think it's, just, it's not as interesting as people think it is but yeah so I don't know I, I want to do this I think it would be really cool but yeah I don't I don't want anyone to like I'm sure some of the nerdiest of our customers or like some of the you know the most privacy conscious of them would be like kind of annoyed by it or something Right, potentially annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't want to, I don't want to flirt with anything where people are like, where, where too many people are going to be like, WTF? I don't like this. Yeah, suddenly you're at the center of a controversy. Yeah, it's like, oh, we could like add a flag, which is like, don't share my whatever and something. It's like, but yeah, no. If, if we had to do that, I just wouldn't do it. I think hmm. you could take a, you could take a little temperature, like a little Twitter poll or something, just mm. see if you know, see if there's. If the opinions are really strong in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that might be interesting. Okay. Well, thanks for the feedback. Yeah, you bet. Let's think, think about 690. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben, you can't just sit and watch that number all day long. But I need the dopamine, Derek. It's all I have left. <sighs> all right. Uh, notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.